0: Thunder Media.
1: to Inside Motorsport, Tony Whitlock and Craig Revelle, and we're joined by the winningest team owner in Formula Ford with the exciting news that Motorsport Australia announced a new chassis, Mick Britta of Team Sonic. Welcome back.
0: Cheers, Tony. Thank you.
1: It's uh, a remarkable thing. Um, I, I don't remember the year you got involved in Formula Ford. Certainly, I know it was back last century. Your father, of course, was there at the time with Stills when Richard Knight and Larry Perkins won the first two years of Formula Ford in Australia.
0: Remarkable time. Yeah, it is. And I guess um, (laughs) to that end, our family has a uh, fairly long and varied history with the category. So um, it's, um, yeah, look, exciting times ahead, I think. Looking forward to it. The news
1: has come out that Motorsport Australia with various working committees and groups that have now reached a conclusion that there'll be a new car with a halo and various safety requirements for 2024. That's interesting in itself. As somebody who runs Formula Ford and still currently runs in both national and state titles, that's going to be a very hard
0: uh, hard thing to achieve, isn't it? Yeah, look, I think um, 2024, I guess, you know, when, when all this started, early early 2021 discussion started about this as that started to get a, a bit of traction you know probably mid-year 2021 i guess 24 was was the objective at that point but now you know having just announced it and having 24 as the objective it could be um could be a bit challenging in the current environment to be honest but um At the end of the day, I think that you know the important thing is that Motorsport Australia are back behind Formula Ford. It's going to be reinstated as a you know a national championship again. It's going to feature at some more high-profile events. You know a bit of television racing under the noses of um, you know the supercars fraternity and so on. So you know that there's a lot, a hell of a lot that's positive about it. One
1: of the remarkable things has been that. You know, there've only been a few instances. Lucas, of course, um, you know, had that tragic accident. But mm. the series in category has been
0: fairly safe over the years, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, no question. You know, it's the you know, the cars, um, space frame chassis and, and the the integrity and the quality in the build of um, you know, Formula Ford chassis you know all over the world is um for me in terms of a space frame has been second to none but you know at the same time we've sort of been working to effectively the the same rule set with regards to safety for you know probably the best part of 20 years really just over 20 years so things have moved on a little bit you know there's there's always learning happening and, and and new technology and i think it's a you know it's a very very sensible thing for me, um, having been, I guess, you know, you talk just talking about Lucas's unfortunate accident. You know, we were we were obviously running Lucas at that time and it's, you know, for me, anything that can be done to improve the safety that can be done at a at a reasonable expense, you know, we'd be ignorant and negligent not to be pursuing that.
1: Well, of course, one of those very things was about that time was the introduction of radios and there was a lot of resistance to putting them in the cars, wasn't
0: there? Mm, yeah, hundred percent. You know, the, the radio thing was one, there was something else, which for some reason, I don't really understand why it's never gotten traction in this country as a, you know, an onboard, um, safety car, safety light type system like they run in the U S you know, that was discussed, but for some reason that seemed to have slipped through the cracks, but, um, you know all of those things, and sure, radios. Are, you know, radios have been a big step. But in terms of um, the actual protection that's available in the vehicle, it's you know, it makes sense. Of course, it makes sense.
1: Given your involvement since the days of the Kent engine, how mm. much has it changed the category with the Tech, the introduction of the engine, and obviously later model chassis.
0: I think the engine just the you know the engine in itself was a unquestionably a, a huge step in the right direction you know the the um the reliability and the, the you know the mileage that that you can operate these engines to these days um, is you know it's at, at minimum probably four to five times the amount of mileage you're getting from an engine as you were from a Kent. and they're effectively a um, push button. You know, there's <laughs> the days of distributors and, and carburetors and all those sorts of things that used to give everyone aggravation are long gone. So so that part of it's been you know, a massive success, obviously a little bit more power to go with it, which has been, a, you know, I think a, a step in the right direction. Um, But the, the technology, sure, there's a lot more technology in the car as well, you know, in terms of... um suspension design and you know shock absorbers um data and sensors things like that but the core of the the car and you know without having any air, aero influence is still very much what it's always been
1: and indeed one of the strength one of the strengths of the category has always been um a non-controlled chassis in that mm. uh, the ability to go and use any one of the number of chassis available and you yourself were involved in two or three different chassis over the years, McGaul's mm. and uh, Van Der Diemen. Um mm. That's continuing on and that will have an impact internationally, I imagine, as well.
0: Yeah, look, I think it's, you know, it's it's a sensible option. It means that, the you know, the market's competitive, obviously, in terms of um, not just the chassis cost but parts pricing. You know, there's no sort of monopolies there. Um, it brings a another element in with you know for whether it's team owners managers engineers and drivers in terms of what manufacturer they they align themselves with and and why um but there's also you know with the some competition in the market it it, i suppose you know historically it's meant that for some guys, um, you know, perhaps some talented individuals over the years have been able to, you know, get themselves a bit of a deal with the manufacturer here and there, which has probably made the difference between them being able to go racing and not. So that that's never going to happen in a completely regulated and controlled chassis formula. So I think there's, you know, there's lots of positives to To remain that way
1: Well I know you're A very busy man And getting ready For uh, Carrera Cup uh, Another round Um, How many many Drivers do you have In Formula Ford In State And National uh,
0: Series At the moment Across State And National We're running five In 2022 So we've got Um Got three full-time drivers doing Victorian state championship, two full-time guys in national championship but we've you know we've also got some crossover with a you know generally the state guys are in their learning year so they'll um, they'll supplement their state competition with a few national rounds as well. so different rounds throughout the course of the year we're...
1: We've seen just recently, The remarkable situation where John Blanchard, who is a national champion in Formula Ford, uh, jumped back into a car and uh, well and truly showed that he was not only up to the competition, he was the competition at Winton recently. That was a a wonderful thing to see that uh, a man who, Obviously, he hasn't lost any of his speed.
0: Well, I'm sure John Blanchard, would love to hear that, Tony, but um, unfortunately for John, it was his son, Tim. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, look at it, just for sure. You know, Tim won the National Formula Four Championship with us back in 2007. Careers since, you know, it's progressed a lot since those days, and a lot of water's got under the bridge. But he's, um, you know, now he's, I guess, effectively a part-time driver, and for him to you know, when he called me to tell me that he wanted to do something I was actually quite taken aback and a bit surprised and actually questioned you know he and I questioned we weren't really sure how he'd get on but um but now was you know it was a brilliant experience to have him back in the team and you know our, our younger drivers too you know having the opportunity to work alongside and learn from someone with all that experience it was a you know, it was a really positive experience for everyone.
1: All right, well, Mick, uh, thank you so much for joining us on Inside Motorsport. Mick Ritter, thank you for joining us and uh, all the very best to Team Sonic for your next uh, race meeting. And we look forward to catching up with you later on this year and seeing Formula Fords back on track again with your team and all the best to it.
0: Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it.
1: That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now.